and Scott Sharp. What are we talking about today on Gardening Talkback? Hey, Jane, I've blown in here with the wind, a, a stiff breeze behind my back, and here I am. I kept the Vesper upright somehow. I don't know how. It's a, well done. Well, going across the bridge at Carrington this morning was a bit exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, we'll talk about the wind and what to do with the plants when they're getting damaged like that. Uh, no doubt a lot of mums got gifts uh, during on Mother's Day, so we'll talk about how to look after those gifts. And if we're lucky, we might be able to get onto Daniel the Chili Man, and he's going to give us some advice about how to look after your chilies going through winter. 49216216 for your questions to come through. Scott, Angela is quick off the mark and has a question for you. Hello, Angela. Hey, Angela. How's Hello, it? Jane. Hello, Scott. Is it windy up there for you? Oh, yes, but not as bad as it was a few weeks ago. Oh, good. We're still holding on and everything, which is all you can hope for. Just from a different direction this time. (laughs) Yes, it does. How can we help Um, you today? Well, I have a fruit tree growing in my garden. I've just moved here. I've got no idea what it is. Um, It's fruit. It starts looking like an orange or a lemon, perhaps. Just a very small green fruit that grows bigger. And then when it's ripe, it's a pale yellow colour, not a lemony colour, but paler. Uh, it's a soft skin, and inside it's a flesh, similar texture to a quite ripe pear, but with all seeds, small, tiny, uh, same colour seeds, uh, sort of the off-white, scattered throughout the centre of it. Do you think it could be, is it a very large uh, citrus fruit? Is it like a grapefruit that big or? Oh, no, no. It's, um, oh, just one I'm showing you now, uh, maybe two inches across. Yes. That's about the uh, size of a small of apple sort of size. Yes. Hmm. Oh, okay, look, that, without seeing it, it's a, it's a little bit difficult to work out. Um, look, you've got some um, great garden centres up there uh, around where you are, so if you, if you uh, take that one of those fruits in or even some of the uh, leaves as well, I'm sure they'll be able to identify it for you. Uh, yeah, look, just when you're saying I citrus... I thought it might be a guava. It doesn't seem to quite fit in with some of the pictures, but the description seems very similar. Oh, okay, so it's not a citrus fruit in that case, you don't think? Well, it look, a quite ripe. Yeah, look, it certainly could it could be a yellow guava in that case. Uh, so, yeah, they have a very similar fruit to the one you've described. Uh, sorry, I thought that uh, Angela was talking that she's described it like a lemon or an orange there at first. So. But could be a guava, possibly. It sounds very much guava, like a guava in that case, yeah, especially mm. with that pear-like flesh that yeah. she's talking about and those few seeds inside. So I'd so say that's what it is, yeah. Good idea to take the fruit along to a local Yeah, don't, don't go and eat it before you know what it is, Angela. <laughs> now, that's very good advice. This is Gardening Talk Back. It's 18 past 12, and we're taking your calls on 49216216. Scott Sharp, very happy to get his teeth into your questions, but why don't we get our teeth into the wind at the moment, Scott? It can be quite destructive. And I, th- I think this westerly wind is you know, probably one of the most destructive winds we get because it's also very drying. Because usually the, uh, you know, the wind comes from inside, uh, you know, inland and the humidity drops and then all the plants dry out. So we think we've had 
so much rain in the last few weeks. And yes, that's true. But you watch the lawn start to dry out. I know at work uh, the plants in the pots and that's, they're very susceptible to this sort of breeze. Uh, the winds, you know, even going across the top of the soil, it's drying that out. Uh, the uh, extra transpiration on the leaves of the plants as the wind goes across them, it's drying them out. So it's very, very easy to lose a plant uh, when you've got these very strong and dry winds. Uh, look, make sure that you, your stakes are uh, all in place and that the plants aren't going to blow over. Uh, I'd suggest what we do at the nursery is uh, if the plants in the pots blow over, we just leave them over there. In, in some ways, they're actually safer uh, when they're just lying on the ground. So if you do have a plant pot that falls over, probably just leave it there until we know that these winds have subsided. And uh, then plant pick it back up. Make sure you're still trying to splash water over it and keep it moist, uh, if, even if it is on its side. And then once it's uh, back, the wind's gone, stand it back up and give it a very, very good drink. And moment. you might need to top up a bit of soil in the pot, do you think? Absolutely, yeah. And any mulch around that might have come off the, off the surface of the plant as well. But certainly even just spraying the leaves of the plants in winds like this helps the, uh, the you know, just keep it uh, moist and, uh, you know, stops it uh, transpiring too, uh, too quickly. So how often should you be looking at them to work out when to water them? Oh, look, you could be watering twice a day on a day like okay. this. Yeah, very, very drying conditions out there. Yeah. And inside as well? Inside as well. Now, that people often forget about their indoor plants, but once that humidity level drops down and there's breeze, I know, uh, you know, my towels dry quicker inside at the moment. Uh, if I put them on the drying rack, and that's because there's, you know, there's actually air moving through the house. No matter how well I have it sealed up, there's still air, you know, getting in all the uh, nooks and crannies, and that's uh, so. The th- same thing will happen with you, with your uh, indoor plants. And this is Gardening Talk back on to a new RFM for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners. And Scott Sharp here taking your calls, answering your questions on 49216216. And Scott, we did have a question last week that you didn't have time to get round to uh, from Mariola, who um, was talking about her clivias or clivias being eaten by large caterpillars, now, a real you, problem for her. You say clivia, you say clivia, or I say clivia. What's the. <laughs> Let's make a song about it. Yeah. Yes. What about patio? What do you say there? Uh, I, I, well, I do either. <laughs> patio, patio. <laughs> I just say tomato, though. Uh, good, good, good. And potato. <laughs> now, you were mentioning, I think, your, your uh, clivia's got damaged as well. Well, I think, I thought it might have been uh, storm damage with um, all the shredded, shredding mm-hmm. twigs and things falling off the off the trees around the place during the storm. No, no, it's probably been the, the clivia caterpillar. But did it lead to like a skeleton, almost a framework of the leaf there? Mm, yes, possibly, yes. Yeah, but that, that's what it does. It, it can do an immense amount of damage overnight. You'll, you'll go out there and sort of lift the leaf up and you go, oh, oh, no, look what's happened. They've, they've stripped it, and you'll find they're probably 20 or 30 just sitting on the one leaf, and they're just munching away. They're having a good time. They're filling up their bellies. But unfortunately, they're doing a lot of damage to, you, to your clivias. And uh, the, the way to get rid of them is to use uh, an insecticide like Carbaryl or Dipel, which is a bio-insecticide specifically for caterpillars, and it does a fantastic job. You really probably need to mix it up in a watering can and drench through, because clivia patches can get very, very dense and heavy if you've got can. the right spot for them. Mm. They really are a fantastic plant. Uh, you know, if you've got a very, very shady spot and you want some colour. They're also a very tough plant. They don't like the sun at all. They will get bleached straight away by the sun. 
but I've seen them uh, dug up in wholesale nurseries, just left in a pile for a couple of weeks, and the plant just sort of sits there and doesn't die. As long as it's in the shade, it's a happy plant. But It's be... really good to find something that loves shade. Well, it is, isn't it? And it just can it multiplies so easily, it keeps on clumping out, and really the only thing that does have a go at it is, is the clivia caterpillar, and you can get rid of it, but unfortunately what will happen is the moth lays its egg, the caterpillars hatch out, and then overnight click. They've done damage before you even realise that, you know, that's, that's what's happening to them. So as long as you're vigilant around this time of year and you just make sure that you, you, they're not getting stripped by these uh, caterpillars, all will be well. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Mariola, let's hope that helps you. I hope so. <laughs> and you as well, Jane. Yes, and me. <laughs> exactly. Gardening talk back. Give us a call if you've got a question you'd like to put to Scott, uh, 49216216 to get your question through. And speaking about storm damage, which I put my clavia damage down to, but which may not be the case, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have um, trees lying around in the backyard which aren't causing any immediate problems, so not SES cut-upable, mm. and uh, no hurry for any tree people to, to get them get rid of them, and some of us don't, aren't in the position to be able to get rid of them ourselves. Yeah, not, not a lot of people like to wheel chainsaws around. They can be quite a nasty little uh, instrument to use. So, but you can leave them lying there in, in the garden until, you know, someone's able to get, uh, as long as there's no branches overhanging or any, you know, any danger, I guess. That's the main thing. What will happen, though, if it's on the lawn, uh, your lawn's probably going to die underneath there. You'll find that uh, after a couple of weeks, those, those leaves that look so lush and beautiful before the, you know, when, when the tree was upright, all of a sudden they start to go a little bit crinkly and die off. And you'll have a bit of a messes those leaves sort of strip down so if you can get to it you know uh, earlier it's logistically better because you can just cut the branch all the leaves are still on there and you can get rid of it but uh, otherwise you, you know it sort of starts to create a bit of a mess and you know you feel a bit you know down about the yard if it's looking untidy with you know trees and things so always call someone in and uh, look there's plenty of tree people around there that'll come and do that work for you I know they're a bit hard to get onto at the moment because they're doing really major jobs but uh, that'll all calm down in the end and you'll be able to get someone to clean up for you. So it's not going to be a problem for the garden if it's sitting there with a tree on top of it for a while? As long as you're prepared to have, you know, that sort of bare patch, almost like, you know, in the old days where the the person would get murdered and they'd trace around the chalk the body, it's going to be a bit like that. There'll be a sort of dead patch of lawn underneath where the tree was. So that's that's really the only only hassle you're going to have with that, that tree over in the garden. Right. Now, 49216216 is the uh, the number for you to get your question through. And Dale has rung in from Abermain. It's a fig tree, Dale, is it, that's causing you some problems? Yes, a fig tree. Yes, how can we help you with it? Well, it got knocked out of its pot. Yeah. And we picked it, the pot back up. And I heard you say the wind is drying the plants out. Yes, they are, yes, yes. Yeah, well, this thing, it's still got a bit of, uh, the root is showing still. I know I've got to repot it and put more dirt in it. But if I put water on the leaves, that'll burn them with this wind, won't it? Oh, no, no, no. Water on the leaves doesn't doesn't, uh, burn. I, I... That's not going to harm at all. Sometimes there are a few plants that in the middle of summer when it's very, very hot, if you put water on the leaves, it can bead and sort of form a little magnifying glass and actually burn it. But certainly at the moment, if your plant's on its side and you just need to try and keep it alive, just spraying and misting some water over those leaves, it's, it's only going to help the plant. All right. 
Now, another thing. Yes. This fig, it's not a big fig, but the figs on it are absolutely beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and it has a shoot coming out the side of it, like a branch. Yes, yeah. Which hasn't got root on its own bit. It's only a little one. Can I cut that off and strike it, or is it, well, is it only be like just under, well, probably about 20 centimetres long? Yes, you should, you should be able to strike that. It's probably not the best time to start striking plants at the moment, uh, only because we're going into the winter period and figs actually start to lose their leaves and become dormant uh, very soon. So it's probably not the best time to be trying to strike. Even if you waited until August, if you can keep it going to then, uh, that's probably the best time to try and strike it. August. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, that sounds great because then you'll have two instead of one well, and then, with beautiful fruit. Beautiful figs. I love figs. Very, very sweet fruit. They're fantastic, aren't they? I don't know how nature made them so very, <laughs> very good. And the thing is they'll grow on the side of a rock over in the Mediterranean as, as well. That's a fantastic thing about them. A very easy plant to look after. It's a bit like uh, olive trees. They'll grow on the side of a rock as well and a very nice plant to have in the garden. Excellent. Gardening talk back and um, hello. We have another caller coming in on 49216216. Hello, your name is? My name is Trish. Oh, Trish. Excellent. And you're in Percolbin. That's right. Fantastic. And uh, what can we help you with? Or what can Scott well, I have a frangipani which has been struck from a friend's tree and had just um, grown some roots yes. and been put in the ground when the storm hit. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wor- it's not looking happy at the moment, and I'm worried that it's been drowned. Is there anything I can do to help it, please? Yes, you can. It might be even best just to lift it back out of the ground and put it back into a pot and get it into a protected area where it's not going to get you know blown around again and sort of try and re-strike it almost for uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it might be the best thing to do. Uh, keep on watering it, you know, not as much as you were because once that root system's gone, it's just going to sort of sit there in, in wet soil. Uh, so you just have to, you know, cut back on your watering a little bit. But I'd probably dig it back out of the ground if it's only just gone in, get it into a more of a protected area, and uh, then, uh, you know, just uh, even a warm spot, uh, you know, behind a brick wall or something, because they, they, up at the Colburn, you know, it starts to get cold at night. You mm-hmm. don't want those nice uh, little shoots burning off. Right, okay. Um, so it's... I, I was concerned that it's the water that may be sitting in the ground that's drowning it. Do you think that's the case? Look, it could. If the root system's not there, it would, the, the actual branch or the cutting will just start to rot away. So mm. that's why I'd suggest getting it back up into a pot uh, right. where, where you know the water's going to drain away. You can control how much water it's getting. You can also control the position that it's in. Like I said, a, a nice warm spot against a brick wall would be a, probably the best spot for Sounds it. Sounds good for a frangipani. Um, they like a little bit of cold, don't they, when they start going? I mean, when you're striking them, um, don't, don't they? Don't uh, you put? Well, if they're, well they're a tropical plant. Uh, I, I would, I wouldn't expose them to cold. Uh, the, Not the plant itself. I mean, the bit of stem oh, that you're going to before you put it in the ground. Well, what usually it. happens there is people let them dry out. They let them dry out for at least two weeks, and that's when you stick it into the soil because you want it to be hard and callous. You still don't want it sort of dripping out at the end with the right. With the so sap. it's yeah, yeah. drying that's more important. Yeah, drying. Yeah. <laughs> it's twenty-two to one. This is gardening talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners, and four nine two one six two one six. That's the hotline to your getting your question through to Scott Sharp today. Tony's rung in from Woodville. Hey, Tony, how can we help you today? G'day, Scott. Yeah, look, um, 
I planted a uh, Genoa, uh, black Genoa fig, uh, probably, oh, in the last winter. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to cut a long story short, the storm winds have blown it over at the graft. Yes. It's taken about half, I think you call it a splice graft, mm -hmm. I think you do, and it's about halfway through, like I can stand it up and I'd still have half of the trunk left, yep. as if I could bandage it up with something. I'm wondering if, what is this, what's your suggestion to try and save it. I mean, it seems still very healthy. Yes, look, you can certainly can uh, uh, stand it back up, Tony, and try and save it. Uh, we've done it a number of times at, at the nursery. What are, the most important thing, though, is getting it up and staking it so it's not going to move around, so that once it starts to, you know, that tissue starts to regrow uh, where you're trying to join it, that it doesn't get torn apart again by the next wind that comes along. Uh, so, look, you're going to need a product uh, called, uh, we just call it budding tape. It's a sort of a soft plastic tape, but uh, you just wrap Stand it up, get it in position, and then just wrap as tightly as you can, like you were bandaging your arm or putting on a tourniquet, uh, you know, for a snake bite or something like that, around the tree and to try and keep it in position. Uh, look, you'd keep it there for some time, I would think, uh, at this time of year, probably about nine months now, uh, and, and just to, to try and keep it as steady as possible so that plant's not going to move. You'll know as you're watching the plant during that time if it's working or not. Uh, you'll see it either, you know, getting better or, you, or you'll see dieback back through the plant. If you're starting to see dieback, you just have to cut your losses at that point and say, well, yeah. off, off you go and we're going to start again. But uh, look, for sentimental reasons, you might as well give it a crack and get some budding tape. It doesn't cost much. Uh, and you just wrap it around as tightly as you possibly can. And it gives it, the, the more you wrap it, the more strength it gives. It's quite flimsy when you're sort of touching it at first. But as you're wrapping it, it, it um, creates strength and, uh, and that will hold it in place. But make sure you've got it staked as well uh, so that it's not going to fall over and move around in, in the wind. Not a worry there. There's no point in putting any rooting compound in the in the in the in the in the, uh, in the um, well, shall I say, the split part? Like it's more split than broken off. If you get what I mean. No, no. There's no there's no use in doing anything like that. Just try and All get right. it get it back together as much as possible and bind it together and then stake it. Yeah, I wouldn't put anything in there. Just uh, try and let nature have its way and see what happens. And uh, the, you can't have this. Um, 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 Tape. Oh, the budding tape, yes, the budding, budding tape. Budding yeah. too tight, can you? Yeah, look, no, not really. Uh, I wouldn't be concerned about that. It's more the most important thing is trying to hold uh, that plant in place. Very good, my friend. I'll okay. Two, two five foot iron posts alongside it. It won't move. That's great, Tony. The, <laughs> the thing with the budding tape as well is as the plant grows, it actually expands out, so it will eventually oh, just good, tear right, away. Right, right, that's, right. that's the great thing about it. So the plant will itself make its make room for itself by breaking through the tape. In a way, what what will probably happen oh, after? Yeah, for Tony, Thank after you, about buddy. after about nine months, you're probably best just to cut it off and see what happens anyway. You'll see if the plant's doing it. You know, if it's coming good or not. Yeah. So yeah. take a look in nine months. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Speaking about trees and storm damage, and uh, certainly there would have been some up around Woodville. There was lots mm. of water lying around on the on the paddocks there um, during the storm. Um, I've got a lily pilly in my backyard, yes. and uh, it 
looked as though it wasn't very happy. I think it might be getting itself together again now, but its leaves, it, it did lose a branch, I think, but um, it, it's a big, solid, solid tree, and it was not looking very happy. Have you, so is your place sitting in a lot of water? or No, it's on a, on a clay-type slope. Oh, so okay. Yeah, yeah, well, look, as long as it's looking okay and you're not seeing any dieback and leaves, you know, defoliation of leaves, then the plant should, uh, you know, come back quite nicely. It might have just been, you know, damaged from the wind that you've seen leaves dropping down and just looking a little bit unhappy. Uh, happily, the wind, you know, we've got this last couple of days doesn't damage it anymore for you. So you're saying lily pillies don't like wet feet? Well, they do like wet feet. Yeah, they love wet feet because they've come out of the rainforest. We sort of brought them out of the rainforest as an understory plant. They love soaking up lots of water. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering if it might have been, in, you know, in a, a, a situation where it had been sitting, you know, with water up around its trunk for a week or so. And it, because it is heavy clay soil, it could have been a little bit like that. Now it's just starting to dry away again. And it's, it's getting happier. Gardening talk back for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners. And uh, 49216216, we still do have time for your question to come through. Sue. Hey, Sue, how can we help you today? Oh, yes, hi. Um, I just came in halfway towards the end of a conversation you were having um, there about a tree, I think, that likes it sitting in water. Yes, I think we were talking about Jane, our very own Jane's very own lily pilly that she's got. Uh, oh. Yeah, so have you, have you got lily pillies up around Stroud? Oh. No, well, no, I don't think so. I think wouldn't it be too cold? That's what I, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to check with you because sometimes you do get little areas where people can get, you know, plants to grow. Like out around Cessnock in the hot, some of the hollows, people can grow apples out there and actually get them to fruit properly. But I would think in winter, if you started to get a frost, that a lily pilly would just uh, get burnt off quite yeah, badly up there. Yeah, so I struggle up here with, with a lot of the trees, and um, I love the jacaranda as well, and the jacaranda. Are fine once they're really established, but um, to get them established through the two, two or three w- winters, it, it, it's a lot of work um, keeping them covered and yeah. you know for um, frost. And I'm struggling a bit with that because I've got um, two or three small ones in, and also a, a Illawarra flame tree. Oh yes, yes. They wouldn't, it wouldn't like frost, would it? No, it wouldn't. The other thing with jacarandas is they're so slow to get going for the first four years as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. The people, uh, down, you know, down here in Newcastle, you know, they go up the coast or, you know, on holidays and things, they see poinsianas and uh, they're a bit like a jacaranda and they have that beautiful big uh, canopy that spreads out. But they're mm. the same thing. You can get them to grow here in Newcastle, but it's very difficult to get them through that first mm. couple of years. Uh, just even the winters, you know, the mild winters we get here on the coast, it's still very difficult to get those. So I can't imagine how it is for you up there at Stroud trying to get those jacarandas to grow. That's a... Are there any other flowering trees that would do well in that Stroud area, Scott? Oh, look, I, I think for uh, Sue, she's really going to have to go with deciduous trees. And that's why deciduous trees are like they are, because they lose their leaves. They sort of close up shop for the winter. They don't get uh, damaged by the frost. Or it's only minimal damage on, on the ends of the, you know, any fresh tips. So she, really she'd have to go for, you know, flowering plums and things like that, that you're going to get a burst of flowering when they come out of dormancy in spring, uh, but they're safe to go through the winter. Those evergreen trees, yeah, that's why they're not going to do, do so well up there. They're a little bit soft. So I suppose deciduous trees, of course, give you the colour in autumn yes, you as get, well. Yes, and especially up at Stroud. You don't necessarily get the colour in autumn here in Newcastle. I've found with the deciduous trees here in Newcastle, uh, you know, it gets cold and all of a sudden the leaves just go brown and they fall off and you go, well, what was all that about? You know, it's not really that exciting. But once you get up to, you know, in those colder spots, they do. There's a longer chill 
chill factor and so you start to get those beautiful autumn autumnal colours coming through uh, the leaves of the plant. Yeah, yes, much, and much nicer. It, mm, and doesn't it help if it's been a rainy summer? You get better colours. <laughs> also, <laughs> there's all sorts of things like that that can help out. So, yeah. so just a, another comment on the lily pilly. Um, I was told at one stage that it was a fire retardant tree. Uh, look, I guess it could be a fire retardant tree, but anything, if it starts to get hot enough, it's going to burn. But, uh, yeah, I can imagine that a, a, a lily pilly probably could be a fire retardant tree, yeah. Yes. Now, um, I'm thinking we might have another caller sure. in. And uh, hello. Um, who have we got uh, on the line here? Terry. Terry, you've got a question for Scott. How can we help I you, Terry? Have, I have. Scott, it's not so much a question as a statement. Good, good. We, we like information as much as mysteries here. Right. Well, I heard you talking about jacarandas a minute ago. Yes, mate. And that they're not very successful in Newcastle. Oh, no, no. I was talking about poinsettias at the time then. But, yep, keep, keep on going. Oh, well, I misunderstood. <laughs> That's all right, no, mate. Because what I was going to point out was Musselbrook, Singleton and Cessnock are covered in jacarandas, you know? Yeah, that, that's, yeah, we were just talking to Sue from Stroud who said that she has difficulty initially up there and then I was just drawing the, the comparison with the poinciana trees uh, down here in Newcastle and they're both very similar. They've got that big canopy and I guess there's this big white canopy and they're, they're quite exposed to uh, getting, you know, large, you know, if they had frost settle on them, it would burn them away. And poinciana's, yeah, don't do very well here in Newcastle. Initially, if you can get them through that first couple of years, it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, look, jacarandas come from South America up in the higher um, dry desert sort of areas, so they get very cold there as well. But uh, I think what, they don't get frost there. That's the difference between here and where they're native to. What colour are the poinciana flowers? Are they...? A big red sort of almost a claw flower. It's quite beautiful when it, uh, when it hangs down out of the trees. It's, look, as soon as you get up around Coffs Harbour, uh, Ballina, it's warm enough at night. Uh, you know, those nighttime temperatures don't really drop below eight degrees or so. And that's about the point uh, when, you know, things like that will start to go bad. Crotons as well, uh, down here in, uh, you know, that very colourful tropical looking plant you see up, uh, you know, Coffs Harbour grow out perfectly in the outdoors because there's humidity in the air. They don't get cold at night. Uh, get them down here, it's you know, a short car drive away, and all of a sudden they're not going to do so well. As opposed to umbrella trees, which seem to do well everywhere, just get bigger in the tropics. Oh, don't they? They have those beautiful <laughs> red flowers. I mean, they are spectacular in the right they spot, uh, but in the wrong spot, they're not a very good plant. <laughs> to NURFM Gardening Talk, back for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardeners. And uh, Irene has rung in from Singleton. Hello. How are you? Great, Irene. How can we help you today? Um, well, I have some very large lily pillies. Yes. And each year they get this little scale bug in them and the leaves completely turn black and everything underneath it goes black. Um, are they going to do this every year? We sprayed them several times, uh, but each year they seem to do this again. And I'm thinking seriously of taking them, cutting them down, actually. Look, they, they are a fantastic screening plant, but they do get either scale or psyllid, and it sounds like you've had scale because then in hand yes. with that you get the sooty mould. So unfortunately yes. it is, it's not your fault. It just gets blown around. These little insects just get blown around in the air. So uh, unfortunately the only thing is to do is to keep on spraying it and try and keep it under control. Sometimes you get it where it's just, you know, it's taken over and you just need to wipe it out completely and just keep on working at it and then it won't be an unhappy plant. So, unfortunately... Yes, could be worth doing for such a lovely plant. Yes, yeah. Good luck with that, Irene. And, Julie, we've got time for a quick one from you from Lambton. Uh, it's Julie. Yes. Uh, uh, just a little anecdote. I heard the man say that jacarandas are 
quite hard to get going in the coast, on the coast. Uh, no, no, sorry, like, Julie, I was actually talking about Poinciana's then, um, but so it's, everyone's just getting a bit confused about what I was saying. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Poinciana's are the difficult ones to get uh, growing down here in Newcastle. Oh, Jack, jacarandas are fine down here to get going. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the one I've got was brought by a little bird. He dropped a seed yes. on my garden, and it's beautiful now. Ah. Oh, that is really good to hear, and it's growing very well at Lambton, close enough to the coast. That's great, Julie. <laughs> Thanks for that. And uh, we're getting close to the end of Gardening Talkback today. Of course, we'll be back next uh, Monday after the midday news. Scott, uh, just a very quick one. We've got about a minute we can spend on uh, what to do with your Mother's Day plants. So very popular plants that would have been, if people would have been given, mothers would have been given, in fact, uh, on uh, Sunday would have been either the cycle uh, people probably would have given uh, cymbidium orchids or chrysanthemums, of course. That's sort of the old-fashioned one, but they've been looking absolutely spectacular this year. So with your cyclamen, uh, always talk about them in winter because they do give you a beautiful show. Uh, they're best not to sit in a saucer of water because they'll get too soggy and they won't be very happy plants after that. And if you can, put them outside at night. They don't like the central heating or being in front of a heater. You put them out into that chill at night, they sit back up and they look fantastic again the next morning. Uh, cymbidiums, easy to look after. You'll probably get three or four months uh, flowering out of those and then just whack them outside into a nice, uh, you know, sort of shady spot in the garden and just fertilise them and they should be good again next year. So they're happy to be in the soil in the, gr- in the garden bed oh, yeah. rather than in a pot? Look, they can do that, but I'd probably just leave them in a pot leave so you can look after and bring it back in next year once yes, it flowers cool. again. And that's Gardening Talk back for today. Thank you, Scott Sharp. Thank you. Back, as I say, next Monday. And, of course, you can catch this program on podcast in just a day or so's time on 2NURFM.com. Coming up is the news in two minutes' time. Greg Richard will be with you after that to take you through the afternoon.